the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. KFAX. Streaming now on iHeart and at Radio.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. Yes, and I want to welcome you to another Monday edition of Lifeline. It happens to be July 6, 2020, and I do want to say most avidly a happy post-Independence Day to you and to everyone who loves this country and respects the sacrifices made for our present, but I think temporary freedoms and prosperity. Again, welcome to the Monday edition of Lifeline. The number to reach me is one 367 5329 To all true people of God out there, you have a choice to be free or to be in bondage. You have a choice to be free because you know the truth, or you have a choice to be in bondage because you are walking in error. What you do not have a choice to do is to be a master over other people. You do not get to master over other people as your slaves. And therefore, you do not get to in, you don't get to actually uh, engage in any kind of symbolism by which you would put your foot on the necks of your enemies or put your foot on the necks of your slaves or have them bow before you as if somehow you are their God or they are your slaves. Child of the living God, you have the right to be free. And if you want to walk in error, you can be in bondage but you don't have the right to be somebody else's master. There's only one God and one master, and for all believers, there's only one God and Father and one master, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we do have a lot to talk about today. The number is one 367 I am going to be taking you deeply into the matrix. I'm going to be helping a number of you, if you don't mind, and if you want to learn, if you really want to learn what's going on in this crazy world of ours up to today. Well, there's a lot going on, and there's a lot that you need to know. There's a lot that you need to have affirmed in your understanding and in your intuition. And for some of you, there's a lot for you to know or to to need to know that's actually going to be uncomfortable. It's actually going to admonish you. You might not like what you're hearing here. So if you if you want to, you might want to change the channel because what we are talking about today actually has to do with everything that we've been dealing with for weeks now and even months now around how you interpret the world or rather how the world is being interpreted for you. Yeah, what kind of vision do you have? How do you comprehend reality? What is the basis of your worldview? Or what is your epistemological confidence? 
really what I'm saying is, do you know the truth as it is in Christ? And do you see reality according to God? Or actually, are you being controlled by somebody else's matrix understanding of life? Are you operating out of the vision of someone else's lie? And I can tell you that's exactly what's happening out there in the secular world that you are observing. There are masses of people who are walking in lies, and we want to talk about that today. First of all, I do want to say that the president's speech on last Friday at Mount Rushmore made it very clear that he sees, he seems to understand to some degree what's going on, if you, if you know what I mean. Not as clear as it really is and, and as pervasively embedded this particular trouble. He kept using the term the troublemakers and, and the trouble that's going on. But he sees it enough for him to realize that without significant pushback, the goal of this present neo-Marxist cultural revolution, which I've been telling you is existing, is total destruction and the washing out of the history of America so as to replace it with this figment of a utopian system of diversity, inclusion, equity, outcome. Essentially what it is is a kind of neo-communism. In other words, a godless world of intersectional people controlled by the state. Now, if you are a college student, post-college student, if you are a professor in college, if you have understanding in law, if you are an educator of any kind listening to this program, you've heard terms that I've used here in this small segment that you recognize as part of the curriculum, part of the diversity curriculum, part of the gender studies curriculum, part of critical theory curriculum. You've heard all this before. You've heard it all before. So I do want to say to all teachers, to professors, to educators, to the lawyers out there, to the legal aides, to all troubled social workers who profess faith in Christ, all of you, if you are really truly still kind of scratching your head as to what's going on, then you are still awake and not asleep in this, again, racist metrics that's being imposed, imposed upon most of the people in your world. Now, I'm going to scratch your itch a little bit today, just a little bit. But for you to be healed completely, you're going to have to be brave. That is, you got to make some choices. Now, you were put in this situation a while back. Believe you me, you were at work or you were at school and you were in the meetings and you heard these crazy worldviews, you heard these crazy agendas that seemed to make no real sense, but they had a persistent narrative to them that eventually you kind of realized that we were up against a movement. We were up against an agenda. And after a while, because you really didn't have, you just didn't have a point of reference by which you could rebuttal it because your job was in, in danger, your your position was in danger, you were you were threatened. And, and a lot of people out there are in this particular place. This is why this movement has been emboldened to the way that it has, because both in the world of legal affairs and in the world of education, it has dominated the narrative. It's dominated the narrative. Now, for the churches, the churches that you and I call Christian churches, and this is happening in Jewish synagogues and in some Muslim cultures as well, 
uh, and is certainly dominated as a major leaven that has completely uh, changed the whole nature of your liberal churches that have abandoned a, a biblical authorial uh, foundation for its existence. In other words, your liberal churches are completely like the world in every facet of it. And our so-called, our quasi-conservative churches are collapsing all over the place everywhere because of the present phenomena that we're going to be talking about today. There's no doubt about it. I'm going to read a couple Bible verses to kind of establish the premise of our discourse today. Again, you've heard these, but I'm going to contextualize them into the context of this movement that you and I won't be able to run from. You can stick your head in the sand if you want to and think it's going to go away. It's not. You can just agree and affirm like they want you to, but they're coming after you. And I'm going to show you why. Anyway, they're going to take you down, too, because you've got to go down if you don't fit in that particular intersectionality matrix by which they are willing to protect you and exalt you. If you don't fit that category, um, you're going down anyway. So you might as well do what most of us have realized you got to do, and that is talk about it, expose it and fight. That is, if you are a free man or a free woman in Jesus Christ. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. And I'm going to particularly cause you to pause on verse 3, rather verse 4, because it's verse 4 that's making its application both in the church and in the world. Paul says to Timothy, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the living and the dead, at his appearing and his kingdom. The people that's running this world don't believe he's the judge, that he will bring justice, but he will. He says to Timothy and he says to me and every faithful person called to preach the word, or preach the word of God, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Watch this, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Watch this now, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Now, what you and I are dealing with, quite frankly, is a world where people are operating out of two basic paradigms, two basic uh, worldviews, two basic systems of interpretation. One is a biblical worldview of objective truth based upon the word of God and its consistent correspondence with all of the uh, evidential sciences out there that hold to objective revelation, objective, ob objective universal truths. In other words, there are those who of, of us who recognize that there is validity to a, a biblical worldview that affirms the scientific data of things as they are universally around the world that we all have as a shared experience by which we can interpret life, by which we can interpret history, by which we can interpret how you and I interact and relate. And then there is a world that's operating out of this crazy assumption that everything is relative and that there is no set of fixed objective realities by which we can ha have a common shared understanding of things. 
and it's called postmodernism, if you will. And from a postmodernistic framework, there has been built a whole narrative of lies, a whole narrative of assumptions. Uh, that people have bought into. There have been stories. There have been uh, uh, articles written. There have been books written. There have been, if you will, legal documents and and and, and legal briefs. And and there have been studies and there have been analysis based upon this postmodern deconstructionist system of reinterpreting the world through the lens of racism. And because so many people have bought into this new language dynamic of systemic racism, racism here and racism there and racism everywhere, you bought into the lie. Now, God has tested the church over and over with the warning of uh, not swallowing the Kool-Aid. And I'm speaking proverbially of Jim Jones and that whole phenomenon that took place where he took masses of people away from the United States into Ghana, isolated them and brainwashed them. And there is a great correspondence to that with what is going on here. Now, do you know those people were very much aware that they were being separated, isolated and driven away from the common body politic of their world? Do you know that they knew intuitively that they were being sold a bill of goods? They were being made to um, to disassociate themselves with the evidences of life as they are understood objectively and universally and within the framework of sound logical arguments. They were separated from that and made to actually be propagandized into believing that Jim Jones was Jesus. Jim Jones was God. And uh, they made the choice between the freedom that comes with real objective truth, as Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 32, and then verse 36, whomsoever the Son shall set free shall be free indeed. They made the choice out of fear to abandon a biblical worldview and buy into a man-centered doctrine, which is, which is fundamentally what the Bible warns about again and again and again. That is the language of Second Thessalonians chapter 2. If you will, you remember it. Verse three, let no man deceive you by any means for that day will not come except there first come a falling away that the man of sin may be revealed, the son of perdition. Now watch his characteristics who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he as God sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, what is more godlike than to have people bowing down before you and licking your boots and calling you master? What's more godlike than you exercising power and dominion over people? so as to make them do what you want them to do or you destroy them. Remember what I said earlier? We're going to take a break here in a moment, but we're going to come back because I want to go deeper into this so-called woke society that, that a lot of you are being, uh, if you will, uh, actuated into. What is more godlike than uh, buying into a set of terminological rhetoric that basically suggests that uh, you should be the head, they should be the tail, they should worship you, they should give you everything, and that uh, you have the right to destroy them. What gives you that assumption, child of God? What gives you that right 
uh, human being. And there are a lot of you who know that this is what's going on, but you don't know what to do about it. You don't know how to fight against it. You don't know how to debate it. You don't know how to challenge it. And as a child of God, you should. But see, we've been operating out of very shaky foundations in terms of our identity, in terms of our knowledge base, in terms of our commitment to biblical principles, in terms of a faith that is working by love, that is willing to say, hey, I don't agree with you. Can we talk about that? Can we have a dialectical uh, discussion? Can we debate these arguments? Can we debate these assumptions that we have known historically have no basis in reality whatsoever? But because one keeps silent out of fear of losing their job, we've got a momentum of massive proportion taking place in our nation, in our government, in our legal systems, in our schools, and in our wimpy churches. So yeah, we're going to talk about it here on the Monday edition of Lifeline. While we still have a little freedom this is the Monday edition of Lifeline. The number is one 367 I would suggest that you just hold on a little bit till I go deeper into the discussion that we're going to have on this so-called woke society of angry black colored people, Native Americans, Latinos, and the permanently guilty class of white subordinate allies. The permanent guilty class of white subordinate allies. The people who have been brainwashed into all of this kind of power narrative uh, language dynamic knows exactly what I'm talking about, but you don't. So when you when we come back, we're going to pay some bills. We're going to chat about this some more. And then you and I can talk about it on the Monday edition of Lifeline because we got to do it while we're free, because once the freedom is gone, we can't do this. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine one triple eight. Three six seven five three two nine. You're listening to the Monday edition with your host Jesse Gistan, right on point, keeping my eyes on Christ, demanding you that if you're a child of God, that you commit yourself to biblical truth. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we are back. The time is five thirty on the Monday edition of Lifeline three. Uh, all four lines are open, one 367 one The Apostle Paul warning the church in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 about that man of sin who takes the place of God and wants everybody to look at him. He's not talking about one person. He's talking about a system. In the same way that Jesus Christ represents the whole kingdom of God as the man of righteousness, so this world, this fallen world system is a, uh, if you will, kind of a man of iniquity, the son of perdition, the embodiment of a satanic controlled uh, ideology and government, and if you will, society. And according to what Paul is saying is, he has been operating in the world since the first century, and he has been impacting society over and over again in a kind of battle between the truth and the lie. And here's what Paul says, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. In other words, it's quite true that the darkness and the forces of evil work surreptitiously in the dark to accomplish their will in the hearts and minds of men and women. This is how it has worked in governments. This is how it has worked in kingdoms. Whenever an opposing kingdom rises up to attack a present kingdom, it, it does it covertly. It does it uh, strategically. It does it by marshalling its forces together 
when no one's watching, and then incrementally, strategically placing itself in positions of power so that when it attacks, it can emerge up out of darkness. The book of Revelation puts it uh, like this, out of the bottomless pit, if you will, and goes into perdition, very much like Judas Iscariot did, having walked with Jesus and the 11 disciples for three and a half years, undetected by them, but clearly known by Christ. And yet at the time where he thought it was strategically right to force Jesus to do what he wanted, he emerged as a betrayer. And that's what you guys are seeing right now taking place in our country. The mystery of iniquity has been working in frameworks that we're going to talk about here in a moment, and you're going to know it because it's happened in your life. But here's what Paul says. At a certain point, that wicked one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the spirit of his mouth, that is by his word, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming by the power of his authority. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, watch this now, the wicked one will come with signs and wonders, lying signs and wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness and them that perish. Paul here is talking about the multifaceted wiles and methods of deception and, and, and controls and, and manipulations, and then the diversity of his approach. Sometimes his approach, approach will be academic. Sometimes his approach will be political. At other times, his approach will be, watch this now, religious academic, political, and religious. Sometimes he will come in the passive means of Gramscian socialism and incrementally inseminate into the, the language and curriculum of colleges, a, 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 again, a Marxist system of, uh, of understanding. He will come through gender studies, through feminist studies, through critical theory, through race theory. He will build all of these into... And an overall um, method of interpretation, a grid of seeing the world, and then basically brainwash men and women into buying into a kind of, well, today it's called a, a grievance industry. This is where we get the idea of the woke society. But what God calls it here in Second Thessalonians 2, verse 10 and 11, he calls it a strong delusion that people should believe a lie. And for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but have pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, that's the framework of a biblical, biblical interpretation of what's going on at our present time. I'm going to assert it and keep teaching. I've got three lines open, one 888 what you are looking at, according to the word of God, is a massive, powerful deception that's working spiritually. Therefore, it cannot be fully, uh, it cannot be fully overcome by mere intellectualism or by mere argument of facts because it's demonic in nature and it's operating out of a system. And I've used the term before, and I want you to get it, of a kind of postmodern framework of interpretation which basically means no matter how rational, reasonable, and logical you are in your explaining why they are wrong, their postmodern interpretation of things forbids them from operating out of a racist framework of logic and coherence. You've already heard that. Every time anyone rises up to say, hey, you're contradicting yourself, 
Hey, you are changing your your position. Hey, you are justifying behaving one way here and yet you're acting another way over there. They basically read to it by calling you a racist. Why do they do that? Because if you don't operate according to their mythical paradigm of a postmodern interpretation that everything is based upon a racist system, then you are the enemy. And that's the same thing that Jim Jones did to the people, the almost 900 people who died in Ghana. He deceived them massively because they wanted to be deceived. Now, you guys heard this term called the woke church or the woke society. Both of them are massively uh, deceived by a false vision. But uh, what it produces is an angry uh, crowd of black folks and colored folks and, and Native Americans. They're angry. Latinos are angry. And these are largely all kind of the college students, the individuals who get brainwashed washed in school. And I use the term angry black colored people, Native Americans, Latinos, and the permanent guilty class of white subordinate allies. The permanent guilty class of white subordinate allies. They're all under this massive delusion, especially your college students. You remember how your kids would come home after school, after college, and they would be kind of just contentious with you, angry and mad and depressed and accusatory. And, and, and they were filled with this rhetoric of, of, of what we know now is merely a critical race theory argument. Everything for them was racist. Everything for them was sexist. Everything for them was homophobic and, and the systemic, the systemic, the systemic. They've been taught this by the socialist Marxist wicked men and women in your government schools, of which you and I have paid for. And now you see the outcome. They are irrational. They are emotional. They cannot understand a basic argument that demonstrates the law of contradiction, non-contradiction. They don't mind circular reasoning because they have been indoctrinated into what I'm going to explain to you is a new religion. It's the new religion of man-centered humanism under the structure of a neo-Marxist revolution. And they've been taught that their goal is to oppose every kind of authority there is. That's why they challenge you, mama. That's why they challenge you, daddy. Because they've been taught to do that in school. That's why they hate you, mama. That's why they hate you, daddy. Because they've been taught that you have succumbed to the white man's system of a biblical worldview, a patriarchy, and, 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 and authority over the children. We've been talking about this for several months, have we not? Three lines open, one 367 5329 And as I said, it's created by a postmodern kind of uh, uh, process that is very complex, but if you wanted to, you can get it. Uh, these are postmodern thinkers who willingly, willingly, and candidly distort reality in order to produce a generation of confused but committed comrades who will fight for a cause. And that causes social justice, social justice. They will fight for a cause and that causes social justice, which is both antisocial and unjust in its application. You know this, even though I'm telling it to you. It's antisocial and it's 
unjust in its application precisely because the premise upon which it is established is a fabrication of arguments rooted in a racist hermeneutic interpretation of history designed to justify a kind of grievance campaign, a multi-billion dollar industry of grievances, which is really nothing but reverse racism against all things white. It's really nothing but a reverse racism against all things white. And through lies, narratives, stories, trapping your emotions, suspending your reason, and by the implementation of guilt projects. This is your Robin D'Angelo's white fragility and black trauma. This is old news, and it's been going on for 10, 12, 15 years. It's unbiblical. And even pretending Christians who, who, who don't filter what she says through the word of God succumb to it. She and many other women like her are high priestess of the Marxist church to be developed, if you will, by what, what Matthew 7 says, judge not lest you be judged. And if you look at the system, that's exactly what they're doing, judging everybody. But watch this. You can't critique them because they've got this firewall set up. That if you're coming as a critique, that makes you automatically an enemy. This is one of the reasons why this stuff has prevailed so significantly in college, because they have been able to do these studies uh, and write these articles and develop these, these lengthy argumentations about everything being uh, racist, everything being sexist, everything being hyper-patriarchal or patriarchal. And, uh, and when really good scholars wanted to challenge them, guess what? They've got no real hearing whatsoever. So the books have been out proliferating everywhere and everybody's been sucking them up. And it's starting to come out now. And I'm so glad because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm so glad that people who are willing to learn know how to do the research and find out really what's going on. What, what you see with a few of the people who are willing to speak up about this stuff and you can find this online. It's taking place a little bit in the media and the news. Uh, and I'm glad when it's African-American brothers because you guys are one of the targets that they want to knock out. I, I don't know if you don't understand that, but it's very clear. If they say they want to destroy the patriarchal model, that means you, brother. That means you. And if you're buying into the system, you've been absolute de absolutely deluded into the notion as somehow by you kowtowing down to it that you're going to be saved, but you're not. Now, there's this thing called intersectionality that they have built up, too. And we talked about this months ago. Intersectionality. This is this whole spectrum of different identity groups. You know them. This is your lesbian. This is your gay. This is your trans. This is your bi. This is your, you know, uh, queer groups. These are all intersectional groups. But it's, it's much more complex than that because it has everything to do with them framing the identity markers and placing you in it and telling you how you are to think. Problem is, is that it's a self-condemning, self-contradicting, uh, intersectional sort of uh, uh, havoc filled with car wrecks when you really investigate it more fully for all kind of reasons that we can talk about later. But they tell you that you are this, that, or the other because they put you in these groups. In other words, just like the Marxist system would be, we've been teaching at Grace, you don't have individual autonomy, you don't have individual freedom, you are not a person, you are a group assigned by that system. And what's the goal? The goal is not social justice. Are you kidding? The goal is power. 
is power. That's why they're acting the kind of fool that they are. But more to the point of my concern, quite frankly, is that I really want to investigate and unpack the subject of being woke because what we're discovering with the woke folks, as I've been sharing with many of you different websites that you need to go to, the Greenville State Grievance Studies, the Greenville State Grievance Studies, uh, shows how uh, Brett Weinstein and him, his team uh, penetrated into the, um, the, 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 the leadership at that university and uh, demonstrated that they were not clear on what was happening to them. And the next thing you know, the, 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 the youth, the students took over that school and it's an absolute mess. But it's a perfect model of what's going on today. And you need to see it and sadly to say, if you're professing to be a believer and you don't see it, you're not woke. You're blind. And it's important for you to recognize that. So, yeah, the Greenville State Grievance Studies. Here's another one, the Trojan Horse Series. I talked to you about this whole Black Lives Matter thing being a Trojan horse for this neo-Marxist agenda. A lot of people are picking up on that. Again, sports analysts, uh, TV talk show hosts, uh, a number of solid uh, African-American men have read the Black Lives Matter uh, agenda and recognize that they're there to take you out, <laughs> take the male out. There's only one other male that they hate more than any male, and that's the white male. And I got to talk about that before our show closes, because it's amazing how the white male is, is bowing down to kiss the feet of the black male. I don't know if you read the article or saw the event concerning uh, the CEO of uh, Chick-fil-A wanting to uh, uh, shine the shoes of, of, of Lecrae in an interview. And you know what Lecrae said to him? Unlike if he was a biblical Christian, he would say to the Chick-fil-A guy, hey, man, I'm a, I'm a man just like you. Don't bow down to me. If he were an apostle-like individual, a, a biblical Christian, he would say, hey, man, I'm a man just like you. Don't bow down and, and clean my shoes. But you know what Lecrae said before I take a break? He says, I don't want you cleaning my shoes. I want stock in your company. Now, you tell me what that means. Is that a biblical concept or is that a Marxist concept? Is that a biblical concept or is that a Marxist concept? Is it a biblical concept for you to demand reparations for somebody that did not directly take something from you? Or for you, for all intents and purposes, not to even really be a slave and think that you have a right to take something from somebody else? And yet you call yourself a Christian? Now, let's see, the lines are almost full. I'm going to warn you. I'm going to warn you as I take the calls. If you don't come right, I'm going to let you know. All right? I'm glad you're on. one 888 But if you don't come right, I'm going to let you know. This is a Monday edition of Lifeline. Glad to hear from you. We got a whole lot more to talk about along these lines because Jesus made it plain. If you are my disciples, you will continue in my word and the word will set you free. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Two spirits in the world, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. The time, 5.52 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll get to the phone lines in a moment. They're all um, all full now. But let me, let me kind of continue this narrative because I know there are a number of you that are starting to pick up on what I'm saying. 
Uh, and quite frankly, there are so many terms and so many categories that have been uh, well embedded into the culture of um, of intellectualisms in, in the colleges and also into our legal briefs and into the legal strategies of, uh, of your socialist Marxist lawyers. Um, this is between uh, schools and between the legal system. This is where you guys are seeing the transformation of our culture. And again, if you can't see, you're not woke. You're definitely not woke. And I want to wake you up if I could do that. I don't know if I can, but if I can wake you up, I do want to do that. If you're halfway awake, then uh, wake all the way up because really what's happening and the reason why there is not there has not been as much headway as needs to occur in uh, in this matter of our country just going further and further and further into the dark morass of confusion and chaos and godlessness. And for the Christian, that should be the litmus test. I don't care if you think that you are a leftist or a rightist, if you are blue or red. That's completely beside the point. That's all plantation politics. Whenever you talk about hating Donald Trump or hating this president or loving this president or this or that, you're just a plantation slave. That rhetoric is the pump cart dialogue that they have trapped you in so that you keep arguing all the way over into the abyss. As a Christian, you should have a biblical narrative, a biblical worldview, the ability to interpret what's really going on according to the word of God. So I really do want to challenge those of you who love to talk about these things to anchor your arguments, anchor your observations, and anchor your assessments in the Word of God. I want to hear that kind of contribution if you want to call and debate and talk with me as a professing Christian. If that's not your identity, then just tell us what you are, okay? That's what I'm going to challenge you on. But what's going on, ladies and gentlemen, for which you have been appalled at the way our Gen Xers and our Gen Zers and our post-millennialists have been acting is a consequence of brainwashing, and they have been brought into a kind of religion. We can fully demonstrate that, and I will, uh, with our Church at Grace, particularly this Friday as we deal with the uh, pseudo-woke church and the pseudo-woke society, uh, society. And again, as I stated, if you go to the Greenville State uh, Grievance Studies online with Brett Weinstein, you will see the horrible impact that wokeness does to young people particularly and how ludicrous that behavior pattern is when it comes to what they're being tricked into as social justice. The destruction, the mayhem, the chaos, the viciousness, the irrationality is all demonic behind it. And the lack of being able to have a cogent conversation is strategic when you understand the methodology of how they teach and design this thing called uh, 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 safe zones and, uh, uh, and, and, and arguments that you cannot actually understand what I'm, I'm, I'm going through. You, you, can't, you can't stand in my shoes and tell me what I'm up to kind of a standpoint theology, as they use the term, or a standpoint uh, uh, individuality argument that uh, relativism means that uh, none of us can really understand what the other person is thinking and they need to tell us. And, and yet you're putting these categories, uh, and these categories then are designed for them to be able to use you as part of their grievance argument. For instance, if you're gay, they're using you, the NCAA, 
is using you, I'm sorry, NAACP and other institutions are using you to make money as they build a continued argument against this racist system, as they call it. If you're a woman, gender studies and critical theory has been developed in order to build an argument for you being unjustly treated in the uh, world of business and other things, and they are fighting for you as they move everybody down the line. If you are uh, if you are transgender, you guys are the poster boys of this next movement because their goal is to utterly destroy anything called binary biological gender reality. They hate God and they hate the Bible and they hate what it stands for. And that's exactly what Romans 1 is teaching because they would not retain God in their mind, in their knowledge base, in their understanding as a point of reference by which to challenge their own assumptions. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. This is what you're seeing, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry to have to let you know that this is what you're buying into. And when you and I are operating out of anger rather than objective uh, facts and, and, and critical data that's able to challenge these arguments, then you get sucked in. That's why I've told you before, don't follow a multitude to do evil. It's rooted in a racist hermeneutic interpretation of history designed to justify a grievance a grievance campaign which has become a multi-billion dollar industry of reverse racism against all things white. That's why I had you to uh, read Matthew chapter 7 verses 1 through 4. When Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged, come on now, think about this with me for a moment. Is this not a continual, unending, relentless campaign of judging the white man and condemning him? And, and you know what's also fascinating about this wake movement, woke movement, is how the white women are basically the priestess teachers in this system. Again, Robin D'Angelo is one of them among about four or five of the women that's been teaching for years white superiority, white privilege, white fragility, and, and this so-called black trauma culture. It's a psych, it's a postmodern psychobabble method of brainwashing you into thinking you are a victim. And then at the same time, the colleges have protected them from a critical analysis and deconstruction of their arguments based upon sound principles of reason and logic. And that's why you don't see them debating major sound conservative scholars. You don't see debates among these people. They won't debate. Because if they debate, then the emperor would have no clothes on and we would see it for the folly that it is. But you know what? It really doesn't need debating. Do you know why? Because you already know that this stuff is folly. You've seen the extremes to which it has gone, but you, you've had no recourse. Those of you who work in the legal field, those of you who work in hospitals, those of you who work in social uh, studies and, and social and the social industries, those of you who are in law enforcement, those of you particularly in education, you have seen this fascist agenda pushed down your throat all the way down to our children. And you've heard me teaching this for years. And now you don't know what to do about it because you got hoodwinked a couple of months ago by um, the death of George Floyd and you emotionally jumped on the bandwagon and you bought into the notion of absolute pervasive systemic racism without doing what the Bible says, proving all things and holding fast to that which is good, trying the spirits whether they be of God or not. 
making sure that you don't follow a multitude to do evil. Affirming your identity in Christ and your commitment to biblical truth rather than your ethnicity. And, and this is the other thing that's so, we're going to be talking about it on Friday, the, the, the inherent contradictions of the system are massive. Because they will tell you that race is a social construct. That is, we've made it up. They'll, they'll tell you that gender, gender is a social construct, that we're not really biologically, empirically, immutably distinct creatures as men and women, although all the scientists will tell you that. They'll tell you that a man can become a woman, a woman can be a man, and, and the whole intersectional uh, cross uh, expression of, uh, of social constructs, and they're doing that. I'm letting you know the end from the beginning in order to destroy humanity as we know it. That's Marx's whole fundamental system to bring you into a state where the individual means nothing. He doesn't think. He simply works for the state, and that is Revelation chapter 13, 16, and 17 in its application. And he forces all to receive a number or a mark or the number of his name. And whosoever does not receive this mark shall be killed. At some point, it will have such a forceful political and governmental authority behind it if it's not stopped by a open public debate. And of course, revival uh, our country will go the way of the term that you've been hearing, but inoculated because of your uh, being awoken to systemic racism. It will go the way of communist countries, and you won't have the freedoms that you have now. I can tell you that now. I'm going to take one phone call, then I'll have to take a break. Let me talk to Travis on line one in Berkeley. Travis, are you there? Line number one for Travis from Berkeley. Travis, are you there? Hello. Hey, Hello. Yeah, what's you going on? I'm great. What's up? Uh, yeah, um, last week you mentioned that um, Martin Luther King was a, a soft Marxist. Uh, do you mind unpacking that? Yeah, all you have to do is read any of his literature. All you have to do is go to uh, go to uh, his his theses on religion, and you will discover that not only did he abandon a sort of biblical worldview of interpretation, but he embraced Marxism in terms of uh, its kind of communistic framework. And uh, and 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 but what he did with it, when I say soft Marxism, uh, Travis, he bought more into a a a kind of uh, Gramscian socialism. Quite frankly, I would call Martin Luther King a a kind of socialist because Marxism was really was willing, as you, we see in the Bolshevik Revolution and uh, in in China and other uh, nations where communism had taken place, uh, Pol Pot, uh, Vietnam, and all of that, where communism took place and just killed a bunch of people. It doesn't ultimately work. You can't force people to be free. That's a that's an oxymoron. You can't threaten people to be happy. You have to give them freedom and you have to let them work towards it. Martin Luther King struggled largely, hugely, with what a biblical worldview is. You can see it explicitly. Um, he got into some trouble because he was a man of his time, Travis, which means that he really didn't overtly embrace homosexuality because uh, the, the, uh, the whole uh, Marxist, uh, neo-Marxist revolution had not yet developed to the point of the homosexual uh, becoming a civil rights issue, although he could see fringes of it. And he certainly did not 
embrace the trans community. And here's the reason why. As I'm stating today that uh, that Martin Luther King and many of the earlier early thinkers were holding to a modernist interpretation of the world. That is to say, please listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. He understood the binary biological empirical factors of what it means to be a man or and a woman. He understood that. So he could not make, watch this now, he could not make homosexuality equivalent to being a black person. That's happening today in its insanity. He, he would not make a trans man becoming a woman, if you will, by body part changes, equivalent to an ontologically biological female. He would not have made that irrational leap that can only occur when you buy into a postmodern irrational method of interpreting the world. And again, I know I'm using these terms, but the people that are part of this system knows what I'm talking about. And the educated people who are in academia know what I'm talking about. Doctors know what I'm talking about. Biologists know what I'm talking about. Um, just a lot of people in the sciences realize that what I'm saying is true. But it doesn't matter, Travis, if you buy into a notion like the Marxists do today, having been taught by very ungodly and wicked uh, professors and scholars and, and people in the legal industry, if you've been taught a postmodern framework of relativity where you deny explicit and universal objective truths that constitute reality, then you can frame the world any kind of way you want to and put it upon people. And with enough saying it over and over and over again, they buy it. That's called a myth. Martin Luther King was not there, but he was not a traditional Bible believing Christian whatsoever. Okay, thank you. All right, bless you. Got to take a break. JB from Rona Park, you hold on. Dan from Sonoma, you hold on. And Nelson, I'm looking forward to seeing whether you're going to give me some Bible truth or something else. I've got one line open, one 367 5329 We'll be right back. <laughs> 